0: we're back. Welcome to Build. Today is special for two reasons. First, I have Craig Daniel, our VP of products and my boss here on Seeking Wisdom. And second, we're going to get into something that is probably the first thing I actually learned when I joined Drift, which is how to ship products on time. So, Craig, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks. So, I want to get into the steps that takes to ship. I know you've done this presentation before, but first, I wanted to dig into your background a little bit and hear how you got to the point where you had a thesis on this topic.
1: Yeah. So I've been working on software since the late 90s. And at first I was an engineer and we were using the waterfall methodology, the state of the art back in the 90s. Mm -hmm. And I always questioned like there has to be a better way because we were always missing our dates and customers were never happy. And it was just super duper painful. And we were optimizing for like hitting everything in the Gantt chart rather than hitting actual what mattered. And so... I was an avid reader, always have been, and found some books on Scrum, found the Agile Manifesto, and I ended up actually, you make fun of me for this, but I was an early adopter. I was a Scrum Master certified in the early 2000s.
0: Cutting like, edge at the time.
1: Yes. I was, like, <laughs> I was crazy at my, at my company when I got certified. But really, it was just about learning. There has to be a better way. And, and from there, went through kind of, I don't know, another 20 books, Extreme Programming, Scrum Bank, Kanban you name it. I've probably tried it with a team or two. I think I've always believed in small autonomous teams, always believed in iterative processes and really had evolved to that. And when I joined Drift, I learned from David and Elias how they worked at Drift, which married very well with some of the things that I learned in, in the past. So I wouldn't say I kind of figured it out. I would say David and Elias had their style and my style is very, very complimentary. And I think we've we've like mm-hmm. you know just have made it better every single month. Yeah.
0: And I remember when I joined and you told me that we were going to ship a new product every single month for the entire year. Yeah. I didn't understand how that was possible.
1: Yeah, it's it's nuts, but <laughs> it's fun. I think I think in the early early days we are both of our founders are product people mm-hmm. and we're launching a new product in a new category and the best way to demonstrate what it actually is is by shipping new stuff. Mhm. And so that's what we did. And we committed to the first Tuesday of every single month. We're going to ship something new. But that was a forcing function to actually figure out how do you actually do that?
0: Right. So how do you actually do it? Yeah.
1: That's a good – other than I have a lot of gray hairs from doing that month over <laughs> month here at Drift. But um, no, it actually gets easier. Would you agree it's gotten easier?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I think you know. get used to the, the rhythm of it. But I still – even when I – we were talking about this before. Even when I think back on the different steps – I still have trouble wrapping my head around exactly how we do it.
1: Yeah. So follow kind of a formula that we train all new drifters on when they come on board. Really, it all comes back to constraints, right? So no matter what framework you have in product management, there's always like, do we have a date constraint? Do we have a feature constraint? Do we have a people constraint? And I think the two constraints that actually matter, especially when you're launching a new product in a new category, or you're trying to build momentum, or if you're a new executive at a new job, like let's say you went to a new company and it was mm-hmm. like, oh, Maggie's going to like get our product team humming again. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a really good way to do it. In the right. first three months, I'm going to ship three products, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Holy crap. That's yeah. amazing. But basically it's commit to a date. Just find a date. Don't randomly pick a date. What we do is first Tuesday of every month.
0: Mm-hmm. We don't have
1: to think about that. That's just part of the system. Then name the thing that you're going to ship on that date. Just name it. That's your first constraint is like, what is it? Don't use names like V2, next gen, or any of those crutch names. Name something real, right? So find the essence of what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And then tell a simple story about it. This is a shorthand narrative, a shorthand form of what Amazon does with the press release. Mm-hmm. But tell a story. And, and stories all follow the story arc, right? Which is like... I always think current state of affairs, like what's happening now, what's mm-hmm. the conflict, what's the promise or claim, and then how do you resolve it, right? So mm-hmm. tell the story in that format. We can, we can walk through some of them. Yeah. And then just ship it on the date you promised, obviously. Notice in there there's no feature, there's right. no widget, there's no user story, there's mm-hmm. no whatever, because that's what really matters mm-hmm. when you're trying to build momentum with customers or, or, or even with internal stakeholders if you're trying to build momentum as well.
0: So how, when you're picking a date, so I understand obviously having lived through the first Tuesday of every month, yeah. but I think the, the way I thought before as a drift was, okay, we're going we're gonna to ship this feature. We're going to provide this value for customers, but you don't know how hard it is to build that thing, right? Yeah. Like you haven't done an estimate with your engineering team or your design team. So you don't know how hard it is. I think that was the thing I had the most trouble with was coming in, okay, it's going to ship on this Tuesday, but we don't know how hard it is going to build. So how can we possibly yeah. commit to that?
1: Yeah. So a lot of people who listen to this podcast are probably familiar with the Spotify graphic that's like skateboard, scooter, Mm -hmm. bike, car, that Mm -hmm. type of thing. And so we've kind of leveraged that same framework. So if we were using this format, right, we say we're going to ship on this day, we're going to ship transportation that gets you from point A to point B in under five minutes, because today it takes 10 minutes. It's really painful. And that's what we're going to ship on this date, right? I didn't say I was going to ship the skateboard, the car, or the bike. I'm not sure yet because I don't know what we're able to do. Mm -hmm. So the first thing that we do is, what's your version of that skateboard? What's the first thing? And we call it here the tracer bullet, which is a little bit of an agile term. Mm -hmm. But literally as fast as possible, get engineers to hack or do whatever it is to make the thing work end to end. Mm -hmm. like. No re-architecture, no nothing. So an example of that would be we book meetings, right? Right. And so we said, oh, we're going to ship an Office 365 bot book meetings feature. The very first thing we're going to do is we are going to like buy an Office 365 license. And we're going to have a developer like hack up the Google code Mm -hmm. in whatever way they can to make that connection work and see a meeting show up on their office 365
0: right. calendar right. so no front end no ui just nope. meeting shows up on calendar and then
1: and they they can sit there with the team and like in their console or scripts or whatever mm-hmm. and be like check this out If i run these five things and comment this line out calendar event right. shows up right that immediately shows you as a product manager like okay i'm pretty confident that in six weeks or eight weeks we can ship office 365 calendar mm-hmm. because i I see we have it today. It's just about right. putting all the front end and the workflows and everything on it. So we call that the tracer bullet and get that done as fast as possible.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, so you do tracer bullet. Then we also, obviously, we call it good, better, best for yep. the different pieces. So how, when you think about a team approaching a problem, how does that fit in?
1: Yeah, so the the reason we introduced good, better, best was as a framework as we brought on new product managers because I think experienced product managers know how to break down problems Mm -hmm. like big giant initiatives into smaller things and you know senior designers as well but as you scale a team not everybody has that skill yet so good better best was a way uh, forcing function to actually have people give three different versions of the same thing right Mm -hmm. so this is your skateboard car and bike or bike and car right so Mm We actually have our designers literally, as you know, design three different versions. Mm -hmm. Product managers write three different one-pagers, which are our versions of specs, for the good, better, or best, because almost never do you want to ship the best. Right. Right. I often find that
0: we start with the best. Like when you approach a problem, you have this big idea of what you're going to do, and you have this amazing design, it has all these bells and whistles, and then you look at it, and then you think about the date, and then you have to say, okay, well, this is obviously not possible, and half these features are sort of, wouldn't it be cool if... Yes. So then good, better, best is Lisa framework for me to say, okay, we might get there, but let's scale it back and pick like the essential pieces.
1: Right. I mean, good still has to be something that backs up the story. Mm -hmm. It can't compromise on the story. So it doesn't need to have all the bells and whistles, right? So in this case, to take the example we just had, right? Drift has bots that qualify leads and book meetings for them. It simply needs to grab an email address, pick a calendar availability, And marry that email address to that calendar. Right. And that's it, right? And so, like, reduce, reduce, reduce down to that essence. Then when you ship it, validate, see if anyone cares. Mm -hmm. If anyone uses it, how many people connect it.
0: Right. So tell me a little bit more about the giving it a name and telling a story. I think those are two things that, in addition to picking a date, were new to me in the role that they could play in getting a team to move quickly.
1: Yeah. The naming is really important. I learned this at my prior company log me in because mm-hmm. I was on a relatively small business in the larger company. There were lots of initiatives from four different business units and mm-hmm. the executives could never really keep track of everything. Right. And if you wanted to push your agenda, you had to give it a name. And I watch politics and stuff like that. If you look at any bills or anything like the ACA, they don't call it that, they call it Obamacare, right? right. They give it names. Like mm-hmm. you look at like how you move your agenda. These politicians, they always give something a name other than the actual bill name. So that's why I think naming is really important is because it travels. It's a handle that everyone can grab onto. Mm -hmm. Salespeople can say, oh, when's the Office 365 meetings coming? Instead, we could have called that meetings V2, which is, oh, now we're adding uh, Office 365. But instead just tell you what it is in a short amount as possible mm-hmm. that everyone can grab onto and it travels. Mm-hmm. And then when you have that, then you can use the gravity of the organization to kind of pull mm-hmm. pull towards that.
0: Right. Yeah, and I think that's also something we started to do even inside of our individual product teams. We started to give our metrics a tagline because it helps to have an organization understand what you're building and have like a catchy name for it. I think the teams do really well when they have no customer left behind or no chat left behind or whatever those, right. those taglines are. It's much easier to focus on what you're doing because you all have that shared thing. Yeah.
1: This entire framework is about simplification and reduction, right? And I think naming is part of that. Name is the simplest form of that story that you can tell. Right.
0: So then the last part is ship it on the date you promised. What happens when there's inevitably you uncover something that's harder than you thought? You know, you run into some sort of issue. There's other things you're trying to maintain. Like, how do you keep the teams always hitting those dates?
1: That's a little bit more art than science sometimes. I mean, let's talk about the hard part of shipping on a date, which I think is like the go-to-market part of it. And mm-hmm. then we'll, we'll come back okay. to the, the engineering. The reason we pick like kind of the first Tuesday of every month is because another simplification, no one had to communicate when they had to start preparing, right? And right. so one of the challenges that any company, you know, let's say you're at a normal company, bigger company that does two or three releases a year, which is pretty typical. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, when's that release coming out? When are we going to start planning it? Oh, should we start doing weekly? Should we do monthly, right? And it's right. not a system. It's like a project every time. Mm-hmm. What we see here is literally it'll be Wednesday, the day after we shipped, and the product marketing manager is like, hey, Maggie, I'd like to sit down and talk about what's coming up next month.
0: Right. Right? That's true. It's just a system.
1: It's just a heartbeat. And what that does is it also creates a little bit of a tidal wave amongst all the employees because they know it's coming, right? It's like just like any other cadence that you have. So I think that is the really hard part to get momentum because, you know, as a product manager, I'm sure you've shipped products that no one uses because marketing never told anybody about it, right? Yep. And this avoids that. On the engineering side, I think that comes down to just good engineering management, whatever technique you use, which Mm -hmm. is feature freezes or betas. Here, what we try to do, and this wasn't always true early on, Mm -hmm. but I think now, is we usually aim for at least five beta customers Mm -hmm. well before the launch. And we've built that into our system because the product marketing managers are going to want quotes and stories from them. Right,
0: the social proof.
1: The social proof. And I think so, I might
0: actually be the reason why we had to make that a rule.
1: Yeah, why is that? Because I, I was on a marketable
0: <laughs> moment with no beta
1: customers. With no beta customers. That was not a super fun one. What did we learn in that?
0: Never do that again.
1: No, but why? why?
0: Oh, this is why having your boss on a podcast is tough. <laughs> I think the biggest thing I learned on that was that we had a lot of assumptions about how something would be used and when it would be used and what it would be important for. But we learned Very quickly, it was too hard for customers even to find where we had put the link to the feature. And then we learned that the value wasn't exactly what we thought it was. And so our messaging wasn't super correct. Where we put it wasn't super correct. We could have made it a lot better if we'd even had one person give us feedback.
1: Yeah. So we always had like kind of an unwritten rule of these beta users, but it became a written rule thanks to Maggie here. I think it's a good practice nonetheless we learned from it and we iterated. That's one of the great things about doing this 12 times a year Yeah, is that's we true. learn really quickly mm-hmm. and we build up the system and make it kind of bulletproof. So right now what most of the things that you'll see us ship, actually all of the things have been in the wild for at least four to six weeks. So mm-hmm. that removes a lot of the risk of, you know, something breaking last minute or something like that. Now, was that always true? No. There were early days of Drift where it was like the Friday before and it's like, Mm -hmm. oh my God, the thing doesn't work and, you know, we're scrambling over the weekend.
0: But I think that also built up a cultural norm on the team that we don't miss those dates, Right. right? And I think that part of the commit to a date and hit the date is that everyone has to believe in the date. Yeah. Right. It's not just a random date, because I think I've been on other teams, other companies where, you know, we say something like, oh, we're going to be done with this on this day. And the date comes and you're not super done or you're close, but and there's no pressure to get the thing right. out the door. But having those really hard deadlines that are public, not only public to the company, but public to the market mean that you don't have an excuse.
1: Right. And Elias, who's the CTO and co-founder here, this is something he really believes in, right? Mm-hmm. Just like pick a date pick a date, pick right. a date. And he holds sometimes corner developers until they pick a date. And then it's amazing that when you set that one constraint, how mm-hmm. just it simplifies everything because you're like, oh, okay, I only have two weeks, so I can't do everything. So I'm right. just going to do this one thing. And right. so when you get into larger companies and you were in a larger company in the past, and so was I, what the product team does is often like magical to the rest of the organization. Mm-hmm. They don't they're like, how did they do that? I don't even know how they did that. And when things are going well, mm-hmm. that's fine. Just magic starts to happen. when things aren't going well, it becomes this sense of like, why are they working on that? Right. If they just fixed this thing. And so this is another part of the reason for this system is it shows transparency. This is what we're working on. Mm-hmm. And we're going to hit the date that we're working on it. And we're going to move on to the next thing. And it builds some credibility and a trust amongst the rest of the team.
0: Yeah, that's true. So then... If you had to give advice to a PM who's listening, how can they start to do this on their teams? Like, what's the first thing that they someone should bring back to their team that they can help them sort of move to this model?
1: I think whatever you're working on, start with kind of the good, better, best, I think. Start mm-hmm. with a date, ideally. But start thinking about, like, what what is the reason we're releasing this thing? So I was just talking to a founder who... Was telling me oh we had this concept we drew up on the whiteboard mm-hmm. in january and it's still not live right this is like a five person company small company and they're asking for my advice i said you know why and, oh it's complex and you know it involved like machine learning and this, all this complex and that's normal that's what's going to happen so what i would recommend to that person if they could go back in time is just say listen nothing's going to be more than a quarter there's just absolutely no way as a small company we can go more than a quarter or even as a small team. Mm-hmm. So I'd say the maximum date you can set is three months out. Right. Like, So set that date and yeah. then work backwards and say, okay, what do we think we can get in that three months? And you'll probably get like the better slash best version. It'll be a lot of feature bloat and a lot of gold plating and then reduce from there. Then apply the good, better, best. And what you'll probably realize that in four to six weeks, you can release something pretty good. Mm-hmm. And then I would then focus on that. If it happens to take you four to six weeks to release it, and then another four to six weeks of beta testing and like mm-hmm. making sure it works, then you still hit your three months, but it's a pretty good, right. tight experience. Right. That's what yeah. we
0: do. And I find that you often never need all of the things you thought you would need no. in the best version. Like I don't think I've ever gone all the way through a whole list of things that we thought would be good to have in the future when using this model because you realize customers don't care.
1: Yeah, and when they and when they do care, they pull the rest out of you. Right. And then the prioritization becomes really easy, right? Like you could come to me and say,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I know we had this team on this feature, but I really think they need to go here because our growth in our user base, like there's one capability we released recently that is like 45% month-over-month month growth of like mm-hmm. usage. It's insane. Mm-hmm. And so obviously Maggie was like, I think we need like a team on this just to like breathe life into it and right. take it full to its better and best version. And that was a really easy decision because the customers were pulling it out of us. Uh, On other things, there's some things like the one you said that didn't work as well, right? And it makes an easy decision. And it's like, thank God we didn't spend more than, you know, that time on it. Yeah, that's true.
0: Okay. So then I have another question about advice for people who are listening. First, take a step back from it, from just being able to ship on a certain date and hit those deadlines. You've trained many, many PMs in your career. What's the biggest piece of advice that you give to new PMs that you work with?
1: Yeah, mostly it's very liberal arts related Mm -hmm. uh, stuff, not the technical part. Mm -hmm. So read more than anyone you know. Okay. And I have some tips on what to read, but, you know, just read, read about business, read about the industry you're in, just do whatever you can to just learn as much as you can Mm -hmm. communicate with everyone. Just spend a lot of time, like understanding your peers, your coworkers, the key stakeholders. And then even if your company is not customer centric, which a lot of companies aren't quite frankly, talk to more customers than anyone in the company. Mm. It's like read, so you learn from people who made mistakes before you. Mm -hmm. Make relationships with all your peers because you're gonna need them someday to help you either getting a new product out the market or maybe on a sales deal, they might need you to help out. And then talk to your customers. I mean, there's nothing that stops a conversation faster than when, let's say, a senior executive is saying, like, we got to work on X. And mm-hmm. you're like, oh, it's interesting because, like, I just talked to so-and-so and so-and-so from our two biggest customers, and they don't want that. They want Y. It's like, oh, geez, you win the battle every single time, right? Right. It's so True. talk to customers.
0: So on the similar to that, but on the flip side, if you are not in product, but you are in sales or marketing or ops or something else. You have that feature. You've been talking to customers or you have an insight. Yeah. What's your advice to them on how to get their features built? Like, how do you approach a product team?
1: This is something I actually gave a presentation to the whole Log Me In product and engineering team about how to get your idea shipped. Oh, I didn't know that. It was the first thing to do. And this was like an engineer who's yeah. like, I have an idea. And we have right. 500 engineers. Yeah, yeah. And like, how do I get anyone to care about this to ship it? The first thing is, is like, understand the strategy. If you as an engineer or a designer or an individual contributor understand the overall business strategy, how that translates into product strategy, and let's say I'm on a team that rolls up to you, and I know the three things that Maggie cares about, Mm -hmm. like I know Maggie has to drive this metric, then I'm gonna align my idea to her metric. And I talked about tracer bullets, Mm -hmm. show that it can happen, right? I mean, if you're an engineer, the version of that for sales and marketing which happens all the time here, is give me customer evidence. Right? right. And I think the best type of customer evidence is getting the product person on the phone with the customer or on a Zoom call or... Right. And no product person would person. usually say no to that. Yeah, because every product person has a insecurity of, am I talking to enough customers? Right. So whenever it's like, hey, can you jump on the phone with the customer? Like, whew, Yes, I feel better about my day if I do that. Mm -hmm. So it just happened yesterday. We were talking. We have a pretty big customer who's been super successful on Drift, had a couple nags in the product, and there was all these Slack messages running around about it, Mm -hmm. and they're hitting up you and me and a few other people. Yep. And then yesterday, I got on like a 20-minute call with them finally after like a week, and Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, yeah, we can fix these things. And it's like, bing, bing, let's get it done, right? I was more empathetic. I felt the pain, and Mm -hmm. I was able to do it.
0: Yep. Okay, so understand the strategy, bring customer evidence. Yep. Is that it?
1: Or, even build, sure it, I tracer or build it, trace or if you can, right? Okay. I mean, ship some version of it, even if it's a PowerPoint. Business development, our head of BD, Jared, does that a lot, where he'll throw a PowerPoint and be like, check out how this integration works.
0: I actually got one from, I think, Brendan and Castillo in sales. They oh, did really? hmm They awesome. did one a couple months ago, yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. So how to ship you have to commit to a date, give everything a name, tell a simple story, and actually hit the date that you set. And then if you want to get your feature built, you need to understand strategy and specifically the product strategy, what metrics we care about, and bring evidence from customers.
1: Yeah, ideally. Ideally. In a customer call, yeah, face-to-face. That's The best way to move the agenda.
0: Great, well thank you. I appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you. Give Craig a six-star review. I'm only asking for five stars, but Craig needs a six-star review because he's my boss. So thanks.
1: Awesome, thank you.